Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, the case of the lion's den. Shannon and Greg are newlyweds with an intractable dispute. Greg says a den is a man cave, a rec room, a place with barca loungers, brandy snifters, and game tables. Shannon disagrees. She calls the couple's office a den, confusing and baffling plaintiff Greg. Greg's case, Shannon should be prohibited from calling their office a den. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. You may be seated. Actually, get up again and then sit down. Wait, get up again and wait until I say you may be seated. Sure. You may be seated. Bailiff Jesse, would you uh, swear the plaintiff and defendant in, please? Please rise. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, no matter what? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, no matter how borderline insane it may seem? Yes. Yeah, I do. You may be seated. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Bailiff Jesse. Uh, uh, first of all, well, a little attitude there, Shannon. Everything Okay. I just worry that I'm going to have to call this the office and then I'm going to be so unhappy. Okay, don't don't But get... I trust you completely, Your Honor. Well, you completely. Ha- you have you have no choice but to trust me completely. For I am going to listen to both sides. I'm going to tell you who is right and then I'm going to tell you who is wrong. Greg, you are the one who brought this complaint. Would you please give me your opening statement? You were talking about a room in your house, is that correct? Yes. Um, my contention is that this room in our house uh, should be referred to as the office. Uh, it's where our computer is, lo- our uh, desktop computer is located. It's where we do our business. Shannon is a costume designer in our in our fair city, and uh, she does a lot of her work in there. So her sewing machine is located there, and um, and it's uh, a place of work. So I, I think it's referred to as the office. Uh, because I was raised to believe that a den is a place that has a television and it's a place for recreation, a place for uh, um, uh, for oftentimes a man to go and uh, to be a man uh, with his various recreations. Um, and I, I think there, there's evidence to back me up to that to that effect. So I think our room is an office. We live in a small apartment with two bedrooms. One of them is an office. We don't have a den. And it's confusing to okay, me when Greg, she tells Greg, me Greg, that something is Greg, I, I understand you're getting a little flustered. Shannon? Yeah, that's fine. What is Sorry. your response yes. to this? I am not arguing about the definitions of offices or dens. I see the same thing as a place of work and a place for a man to relax. I completely understand that. However, I have never seen anyone work in this office. There are bookcases and a computer that is used largely for recreation and my sewing machine, which is the only thing I think we ever actually do in this room, is something that I gain great pleasure from. And I just think that a den, which is how I was raised to refer to the room that was not a bedroom that was used for recreation, I think that that is what we have. Okay. Well, this goes directly to your child rearing, apparently. Well, first, a little history. The term den is not very well defined. It is largely interchangeable historically for study uh, or the studiolo of Renaissance Italy, uh, which then in turn became known as the cabinet or closet 
in post-Renaissance England. These are recent inventions historically having to do with the relatively recent invention of privacy. Because before we had these little rooms in the house, everyone would hang out in the great medieval hall, often in the nude with food all over their bodies. It was all the same to them. The study became a place of retreat within the home, often, as you say, Greg, for a man. Uh, But it did not historically have the real connotation of manliness until it came to suburban America, where the home was very much the province of the lady of the house, and the man retreated like a pathetic wounded animal into his private burrow or den or scraped out bit of earth, what we now call a rec room or a man cave. Uh, By the way, the man cave is the most recent and perhaps the least palatable term for this room. Um, But it is true that it's terrible, isn't it? It is true, though, if you connect several man caves together, it becomes a man warren. And the underground defense compound known as NORAD is the best example of this. But the crux of the problem here is that this is all very fluidly defined. Uh, Now, there are regional variations on what den means, but... Uh, Greg, you feel that that's not a factor here? No, not at all. In fact, um, Shannon and I were born just uh, 10 days apart, just 25 miles, or actually in the same hospital, Whoa. and we are raised 25 miles away from each other. So, Wow. But at the crux of this dispute is you both said, I was raised to believe a den was blah, yes. blah, and the other one says, I was, believed to, I was raised to believe a den was blah, blah. This was not a big yes. part of my child-rearing the definitions of the rooms of the house was not something I went to. I learned either in Sunday school or at my mother's knee. Well, did you have a den in your home growing up, Shannon? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a converted bedroom that mm-hmm. had a computer in it and where we kept our books. Mm-hmm. And it had sort of the comfy chair where you would go and sit and read. Mm-hmm. And Greg, did you have a den growing up? Uh, no, I, my family did not have a den, but we, we had a living room in the upper level where a television was and a family room in the basement. But my friend, my closest friend, Luke, his family very distinctly had a den and it was, uh, the place oh. where they had their bumper pool table oh. and their books yeah. and their large screen television. Boy, oh boy, rear projection. Their, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Sega Genesis. Yeah, a lot, and a lot of leather furniture. Yes, I want to mm-hmm. hang out there now, and I think you, <laughs> I think you do too. You suffered. It was from, a very important formative place for me. Yeah, yeah, and it's and and it's been missing in your life ever since you moved to uh, to Omaha, isn't it? To to a degree, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the reason Sorry. why you resent this hellhole <laughs> that you that you have all your junk in being referred to as a den because <laughs> it is. Oh. In no way near the paradise that you that you enjoyed as a child. Exactly. Yes, yeah. it, it pales in comparison. You have you have what Freud called den envy or denvy, but I am not a psychiatrist. I am a judge. You provide yeah. some evidence via the electronic mails. Is that so? Mm-hmm. These are photographs of the room that is in dispute. Yes, I, I sent them in uh, around noon our time today. All right, let's put them into the record, Jesse. These are. Uh, photographs uh, of the room in dispute, the unnamed room. We'll enter them as um, exhibits A, whoa, A, B, C, and D. Boy, you guys really like this room. I wanted to get the fullness of it. They're entered into the record as exhibits A through D and will be available in the discussion thread of this case uh, on forum.maximumfun.org. Now, let's talk about your living room. You didn't Mm -hmm. send in photos of that. Is it your only living room? Yes, it is. And has a television in it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. 
we have a living room and we have mm-hmm. an office. But mm-hmm. when she when she refers to a den, it's because I get confused because I think of a den as a place with a television. My biggest concern is that when I say the book is in the den or I think I left that in the den, even though the words are somewhat interchangeable in this part of the country, he looks at me like I'm speaking French and just sort of like blinks mm-hmm. and then goes, wait, do you mean the office? So I was willing to have us refer to it as two things, but since he is now insisting that I should change what I call it because he cannot adjust to change, I think that the person who is being more bullheaded should make the adjustment and say, if I can only have it be called one thing, it should be called her thing because she is pretty and I love her. That's a very strong closing argument. I have to have to say, I have to say the court, the court, the court felt a little flutter of the heart there. But Greg, you are made of stone. What is your closing argument, sir? While I do not dispute the prettiness or kindness of my wife, I do dispute the simple fact that we do not have a den in our house. I, I think of a den as a place for a, a family. Uh, a very archetypal family. You know, I think of a den as a place that you see in sitcoms on television and it's always a basement and it's always a little bit clammy maybe, but still somehow inviting, still somehow welcoming. And we just aren't at that place in our lives yet. We have a lovely home. We have a lovely apartment and eventually we'll have a very lovely den. But um, it it does, like you said earlier, it does sting a little bit to have our, uh, our office which is a, a meager, meager place to be referred to as, as a den, which I think when I have my den, it will be glorious. Okay, easy, easy, calm down. I'm prepared to make my ruling. <laughs> I'm going to go into right. my chambers for a moment and look over this evidence, and I'll be back in a moment with my decision. Please rise as Judge Sean Hodgman retires to his chambers. Shannon, I'd like to ask you the first question. It sounded like you may have moved the judge emotionally as well as rationally with your passionate closing remarks. Um, Was that your objective? Um, Yes, I think that that is the biggest crux of my argument is just the fact that he is so immobile. And I was really hoping that I'd be able to get that in so that it, it, it's not about semantics with me. It's about family and, and caring and being right. Greg, why are semantics so important to you? It's not, it's not just the semantics of it, but, but it is the simple hope that one day I will have a den. And right now we just don't, we aren't there yet. And we're working towards it. And it's Dream big, Greg. Yeah. Greg, how long have you been married? Uh, we've been married for two years and two months at the moment. Do you feel trapped? <laughs> no, no. I, I will honestly say that I do not. Shannon, why won't you allow Greg to have a den? I tried. There's not a lot of room in here for any leather chairs or big screen TVs or anything. The den that he wants, we, we can't really have. But if you just define a den by my terms, we already have it. You know, I'm, I'm trying to let him dream his, you know, live his dreams today. Do you think that the situation would be different if you, Greg, played less video games or 
if you, Shannon, took up a career other than local theater costume design? <laughs> I think that would solve a lot of problems, Jesse. I have one final question for you. I believe that I recognize your voices from a past appearance on my other program, Jordan, Jesse, Go. On this show, two people who coincidentally had the same first names as you were about to be married and were deciding what last name they should choose because neither wanted to take the other's last name. It was a segment, Mm. the premise of which was that those asking for something to be named agreed solemnly to abide by the decision of myself and my co-host Jordan Morris. We suggested that those two people change their last name to the wonderful last name of Rocket, R-O-C-K-I-T, like the Herbie Hancock song. I can't help but notice that from what I can see here, your last names are Jaxies. Do you have any explanation for this sickening turn of events? Well, we had a, a little bit of a legal issue in that if you change your name to something, they want to know why. And it was easier for us to suggest a hybrid to the Nebraska DMV and the Social Security office than a Herbie Hancock song. But we have made preparations that when we do bring a child into the world, we'll have a middle name of Rocket or perhaps even a last name of Rocket to appease what has been, has been a really an outcry from the Max Fund community as to our yeah. injustice, and I'm very, very sorry. Yes, we're, we're both very, very sorry. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Thank you. You may be seated. You guys both look very sorry about something. Was, was Bailiff Jesse bothering you about something? Just uh, our conscience, Your Honor. Bailiff yep. Jesse, I told you to stop pricking the defendant's conscience. Con- con- you know what I mean. Consciences. Judge Hodgman, I am driven by a higher power. Very well. Well, I've given this quite a bit of thought, and I've looked at your your messy room quite a bit here. And uh, one thing I noticed uh, is that you seem on your bookshelf. I've used technology to look closely here, and I noticed that you have a copy <laughs> of the Daily Show book, uh, America the Book, and its sequel, Earth the Book. I do not see a copy... Yeah of either the areas of my expertise or more information than you require, books authored by me. Do you own those books? We do own yeah. more information than you require. It's just on mm-hmm. a more prominent bookshelf. I see. Yeah, it's, it's next to the bed. It's uh-huh. closer to the bed. So I see. Immediately okay, very well. So uh, I just wanted to clarify that right then. Now, most people in the sure. world, of course, uh, know the term uh, den, as you uh, intimated, Greg, from television. I mean, you had the one den in your life that was so formative to you and has you know, obviously scarred your memory for the rest of your life. Um, but most people, of course, know the den uh, from the Brady Bunch. That is the place where I first heard the room. Uh, that's the place where I first heard the word den, uh, watching the Brady Bunch. Uh, and so I took the liberty of going uh, online and getting the blueprints of the Brady Bunch house so that I could look at Mike's den. You will remember that this was uh, a room just off the landing to the right of the staircase behind the big stone uh, fireplace. You know that? Did they allow you to watch the Brady Bunch in in Nebraska? 
Yes, I'm familiar okay. with the floor plan. And that's where he had his weird architecture table there and a few leather seats and a, a rotary telephone. And like all of the many definitions of den provided, uh, this was probably the most private room in the house, unquestionably an adult room. It was a refuge from their 45 squabbling children, a place where Mike and Carol could go and be grown-ups and have you know private conversations and not get hit in the face with footballs or braces all the time. The den is, by definition, a selfish space. The one time that Mike shared this space is when he let Greg use it as his room. Do you remember that one? And Greg filled it with lava lamps and tapestries and almost certainly abused himself in there. It was a terrible situation. <laughs> and by the end of 30 minutes, Greg was evicted, the room was put back to order, and balance was restored. What else do we know about it? Uh, there's no TV in it, uh, as far as I can tell. And or certainly as my memory suggests, is there any any difference of opinion there? No. Okay, good. I can't recall. No. Anything. I do recall that it was no. always very, very tidy. And it speaks of a kind of a maturity <laughs> and a kind of over-determined serenity in a r- world full of chaos. This is not what you have. You have a room full of chaos and what I presume is a house full of chaos um, that you share <laughs> together. Uh, m- you do not have what, uh, what I would call a den, right? Because this is not a retreat of any kind. It, uh, you guys mm-hmm. do not have anything to retreat from. You have two desks in there. You presumably work in there together from time to time. You share your phallic sculptures in there together. Uh, I would have to say that the best description of what this is, given that it is clearly uh, purely a workspace, would be an office or perhaps a junk salon. Uh, but you do not have a den of any kind. And nor, and nor do you need one. Greg, are you listening? Look, I almost never yes, find... Yes, sir. I, anyone who's been listening to this podcast over the years and years and years that I have been doing it, mm-hmm. I almost never find in favor of a husband because they are usually stupid and wrong. And you should be very glad to be married to Shannon because she is not I stupid am. and not wrong. But I have to find in favor of Greg in this case. Shannon, you must never refer to that room as a den again. It is simply not accurate. It would be as if you were referring to it as a solarium or a fencing parlor. What's more, <laughs> it is making your husband very sad every time you say that because it is conjuring up the image of a den such as Mike Brady had or the sort of leather-clad rec room bumper pool paradise that he never got to mm-hmm. have but could only visit from time to time of his childhood. And it is reminding him that he is not able to provide that for himself or for you as yet. And this is making him very upset. And plus, it is confusing to him because, as I pointed out, he's stupid and wrong, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, before, yeah. before you get, begin to gloat, Greg, let me say this. I have a den. I have an office that is not only separate from my home, but se- I mean, not only separate from the rest of my apartment here in Brooklyn, the Omaha of New York City, but <laughs> it is separate, completely physically separate from my home. It is across the street from my home. It is specifically a place where I can retreat from my family, whom I love, but I need privacy from in order to get my podcast done. And I'm telling you, sure. 
This is not a paradise. This is a very, very, very sad place. You can hear my voice echoing around in this largely empty room in a depressing way. It's either going to be this sort of like empty, badly decorated, you know, sort of um, killing room like mine, or you're going to give, you know, put a lot of money into it and get all kinds of wacky glassware for your bar and bumper pool and an, an authentic n- n- next generation Star Trek, the next generation pinball machine. And you're going to look like an idiot for putting all this money into this thing. And all that's going to happen is you're going to sit in there and be lonely. Now, you don't need this in your life. You guys, this may be your future, but it does not need to bother you now. Not now, while you are still happy, sitting very near one another at your respective desks, sitting very near one another at your respective desks, surrounded by all your toys and junk. This is a time you should enjoy. So I sentence you, Shannon, to never refer to this room as a den again. You may call it the office and nothing else. I sentence you both to straighten it up in there. And for heaven's sake, I don't care where you keep your original copy of my book. Buy some new ones and put them in the photo if you're going to send them to me. Think about it. It's common courtesy. Judge John Hodgman rules. That is the sound of a gavel. That is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Shannon, do you feel that you've learned anything from this case? Coming into it, I was really worried that I was going to lose, but I think I think Hodgman is right, and I should not be making Greg sad at his current surroundings by calling it a den. So, And I really do need to clean in here, and if I would have known that you were taking pictures in here, I would have. Greg, is there hope for your marriage? <laughs> yes. Uh, I think our, our marriage is strong, and I, I appreciate uh, the judge's admonishment of my belief that a den is a place of value. I'm going to remove the Doctor Who pinball machine from my eBay watch list. Whoa, whoa, and, whoa, uh, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Excuse me. Wait a minute. Judge John Hodgman is back. There's no need. I, I, I was just listening from my chambers. There's no need to go to drastic measures here. You can still get oh. the Doctor Who pinball machine. I'm just saying don't get a next generation, oh Star Trek, the next generation pinball machine. Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> Rocket, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is produced by Julia Smith and myself, Jesse Thorne, for MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org is supported by your donations. You can support the show at MaximumFun.org slash donate. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join, and you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit. Every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made. Step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. 
Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, email us the details and your contact information, including a telephone number, 
Our email address, hodgman at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time on the Judge Sean Hodgman podcast.